Hi, everyone. Welcome to this new podcast of a book with the bubble tea. I'm your host Mira He. At this show, I'm going to share some fantastic books from East Asia that you might not have come across from English media or from your usual bookshelves. But trust me, they are worth your time because they are fascinating and inspirational. So, if you are interested to know more about parenting, entrepreneurship, and life from a different perspective, then follow me. The world is yours. Let's go. Hey there, lovely people. Long time. How are you doing? I'm your host, Mira He. Welcome to our show, A Book with a Bubble Tea, Episode Five. Today we've got a special episode in store. It's not just the fifth episode of our awesome English program, but also the very first episode of our brand new Chinese version podcast. Woohoo! Yep, we're finally diving into the world of Chinese podcasting. If you are curious and want to give it a listen, just check out the info in the description. Now let's talk about last week. Man, it was a roller coaster ride for many parents down in southern Taiwan. Two days of a typhoon break on Thursday and Friday. I wouldn't say the wind and the rain were particularly strong compared to some of the stuff I've seen when I was growing up, but the howling sound through the windows was enough to frighten my son and get his mind going wild with all these crazy what ifs, like what if lightning strikes our buildings. What if rain seeps through cracks in the walls? What if the neighbors' flower pots get blown over? What if water leaks into a traffic light and causes electricity to trip? This kid, I tell you, certainly has some wild imaginations, but he's also pretty sharp, huh? With clear logic, looking out for potential risk like a pro. And normally, I would say I would run out of patience before he finished his sentences. I'll probably hurry him to bed, and then just say, "Let's just forget about it. It's not important. Just go to sleep. Stop talking." But thanks to the book I'm going to introduce today, I kept my mouth shut and gave him the space to run through his mind and let out his fears. And you know what else? Being cooped up with two kids for 48 hours during a typhoon without any toys put my parenting skills to a real test. But on the other hand, it also gave me a chance to try out some of the stuff I learned from the book that I'm going to talk about today. Okay, so let me spill the beans on this one. The book of today is called "The Courage to Not Parent." To not parent? Wait, what was that about? At least that was my reaction when I first saw the title. And guess what? It's got a connection to another rat book that was a hit in Taiwan a few years ago. Called the courage to be disliked, and yep, you got it right. Both books were written by the same author, a Japanese author called Ichiro Kishimi. Kishimi was born in Kyoto, Japan, in 1956. Majored in Western philosophy, he got a PhD in it. 
and that's not all. He's also a certified counselor and consultant,、uh, recognized by the Atlarium Psychology Association of Japan. He's a real deal in making Atlarium philosophical thinking mainstream in Japan. He's got some other cool publications like. Be who you want to be by casting off your past, Alarium Psychology of Courage, and I Dare to Be Different from Others. Now, why did I pick this book? Well, let me tell you something. We parents these days are dealing with what I like to call parenting anxiety. Even before our little munchkins pop out, we're like Montessori or Waldorf. Diapers or potty training from birth, and once they were born, it's like quick. Let's make a baby genius. As they grow, the worries never stop. Now they get to learn piano, soccer, tennis, swimming, math, drawing, Spanish—you name it. You see, we grew up in a world where we were treated like treasures, all pampered and stuff. But reality hits us hard, right? Life gets competitive, and we started to realize our own limitations. So, as parents, we're like, "Hey, we gotta give our kids the best shot at success and happiness, right?" And this whole mindset, whoa, it's especially widespread among Asian parents. Almost all the parenting books out there, except for those written by doctors and scholars, are like success stories of moms. And what do I mean by that? I'm talking about moms who make it their mission to get their kids into those fancy pants Ivy League schools in the U.S. And if they manage to do it, they are like super moms because they have succeeded in parenting. Otherwise, how could they manage to make it? So we gotta learn from them. And if they can make not only one kid but multiple kids in there, then their story must be universally true. And you know everybody can learn from them. However, here is the kicker: trying to replicate one kid's success story on another is mission impossible. It only leads to tension between parents, especially between moms and their kids. And let me tell you, it's got moms freaking out. Thinking they're failing if their kids are not acing everything at age six, and that's where this book, "The Courage to Not Parent," comes in. It's like a shining beacon of light. It flips the script on traditional parenting. So, if you're a mom like me, who's been through all the trauma, self doubts, or beating yourself up for not being a good mom, then. You gotta get your hands on this book. It's like a breath of fresh air, offering some much-needed courage and a different way to do this crazy, amazing thing called parenting. First, what sets this book apart from those parenting success books is that the author doesn't use any external standards to measure whether a child is successful. Typically. Such books tend to judge a child's success based on academic performance or extracurricular achievements. If a child gets into a prestigious school and frequently wins awards in extracurricular activities, it's considered a sign of a mother's successful parenting. However, 
this book takes a different approach. The author doesn't rely on any objective standards like grades or wealth to determine a child's success. Instead, the only thing that truly matters to the author is whether the child grows up to be self-reliant and brave. In most parenting books, success for children is treated like a multiple-choice question. It's either getting into Harvard, Yale, or UCLA. You choose one. But in this book, success for children is seen as an open-ended question. It doesn't define success in a rigid way. Rather, it focuses on raising children who approach life with courage, not seeking approval or trying to please anyone. The author emphasizes that parents should foster their children's courage and ability to be self-reliant. Courage and self-reliance are emphasized because life is more like a marathon than a short sprint. The first eighteen years, from birth to entering a prestigious school, might only represent the initial ten kilometers of life's journey. Does getting into a prestigious school ensure eternal success and happiness? Does it guarantee a happy and fulfilled life? How many kids who attend the prestigious school stop learning afterwards? How many kids and teenagers? Faced with life setbacks, and chose to leave this world. I have also seen many female friends stuck in toxic relationships, trying to appease and please them out of fear of being left alone. Would I want my son or daughter to lead a life focused on pleasing others and seeking approval? In fact, getting into a prestigious school might not be as crucial as society often portrays it to be. What truly matters is whether our children have the courage to navigate life, making their own decisions, face challenges bravely, and live their lives with self-reliance. Perhaps, in the end, this is what brings the greatest comfort to parents, and what we should strive to give our children. The author writes that parents should be grateful for the very existence of their children. Nurturing them should be an additive process. Focusing on what our children are learning and gaining, and give them points by accelerating their ability. However, most of us actually see parenting as a subtractive process. We always point out their weaknesses, such as their shortcomings in math or other subjects. Of course, this doesn't mean that we shouldn't care about our children's academic performance. We can express our expectations for their academic achievements, but we need to be clear about whose responsibility it is. If it's not our responsibility as parents, then we shouldn't directly intervene. If we immediately take on our kids' issues and force them to act a certain way, it can lead to conflicts and even a backlash from our kids. If it is genuinely The kid's responsibility. Then, what parents can do is to hold back, observe silently, and ask if they need our assistance. If the kid declines the help, we should just continue to refrain from intervening. We should just show them that we are always ready to support them when they ask for it. We should silently observe, 
trust and believe in our kids' ability to solve their own problems. We only provide help when they indicate that they need it, but avoid interfering hastily. For instance, if our kids are not willing to study seriously, instead of threatening them, pushing them, bribing them, forcing them, the author says it's actually not the parent's responsibility to study in the first place. Your kid's behavior of not studying doesn't affect anyone else but their own lives. Therefore, it's their own responsibility, not the parents. And parents shouldn't and don't need to take on their responsibility to force them to study. What we need to do as parents instead is to let them know the importance of studying, and then trust in the kids and wait for them to want to change. Perhaps. One day, they'll remember what their parents told them and decide to do something about it, or perhaps they will never change. But either way, it's their own issues. As parents, we should silently observe, believe in our kids' ability to handle the problem, and offer assistance when they express a need for it. Of course, if the kids' behavior actually affects other people, then it's a different issue. Their behavior can be seen as their own responsibilities. In such cases, parents need to intervene and teach the kids the right behavior. For example, running in a restaurant may disrupt other diners, waiters, and even create a safety hazard. In such situations, parents should step in to stop the kids' inappropriate behavior with a firm but calm attitude. And if necessary, take the kids out of the scene. This understanding of whose responsibility it really is seems to be an essential concept in Adler's teaching. Well, I say seems because I haven't personally read Adler's psychology. My impression is derived from this book and the author's other work. Another aspect that seems to shape Adler's educational philosophy is the idea that. Children and adults are actually equal. Children are not subordinates of their parents, and parents are not superior to their kids. Therefore, parents should respect their kids' thoughts and actions. They should be treated as independent individuals, just like how we would treat our colleagues at work. If we have different opinions from colleagues. We usually communicate to resolve those issues instead of just get down the route of scolding at them directly. In the same way, when facing different opinions from our kids, parents should avoid resorting to intimidation, scolding, threats, or enticements to resolve conflicts. Instead, parents should adopt a communicative approach. For instance, rather than saying. If you don't behave, I'll punish you. We're scolding them with remarks like "Stop arguing and shut up." Eat your food obediently, or more traditional statements like "Children should not express opinions." Parents should treat their kids' ideas and actions with respect. Of course, while children are young and still need our protections, they may not understand everything. However, parents should still guide and teach them with respect. Seeing them as independent individuals, when kids make mistakes, there is no need for scolding. 
a firm but understanding attitude, explaining why the behavior was wrong, and teaching the kid the correct way to act is sufficient. Scolding, blaming, and getting angry at a child will only create distance in the parent-child relationship, and sometimes the kids may rebel even more. Kids who grow up under constant scolding tend to become more negative in life. And this is not just about scolding the kids. The author also talks about the danger of praising the kids. In this book, the author talks about the super important reason to ditch the whole scolding and praise thing when dealing with our kiddos. Apparently, both the scolded kids and the overly praised ones end up caring too much about what others think of them. Scolded kids end up petrified of getting scolded again. So they become all cautious and eager to please everyone, you know, to avoid the wrath. And then on the flip side, the ones getting loads of praise may just start craving that approval all the time, which isn't helping growing into brave and self-reliant human beings either. It's all about raising these awesome little humans who've got the guts to be themselves and make their own choices without just pleasing others all the time. Oh, and you know what the author says? Parenting ain't just a choice between scolding and praising. That's such a reminder. Parenting shouldn't be a game of carrots and sticks. But wait, there's more. The book brings up this critical idea that there is no such thing as problem kids or problem behaviors. Kids sometimes act out, especially when we are busy juggling a gasling things. Turns out, they might just want some attention from us because maybe they feel ignored when they are actually behaving well. So they wanted to do the bad behavior to get our attention. So instead of just pointing fingers and getting all mad at our kids, the key here is to focus on their good deeds and show our genuine appreciation. When our kids know their awesomeness gets noticed, they won't need to resort to being little troublemakers anymore to get our attention. Right? See, positivity wins. Right. So these are the awesome parenting tips from the book. And it's time to have a quick recap. Make sure you take some notes. First, know whose responsibility it is. Know when to step back and let the kiddos handle their own stuff, but also be ready to support them when they ask for it. Two, treat your little kids as equals, not like they are just some accessories in your life. Three. Forget the scolding and praising game. Let's raise some brave and self-reliant kiddos. Four, gratitude, baby. Sincerely thank your little helpers and show them how much of a great help they have been to you. It will give them the real value in life. Five, realize that every behavior has a reason behind it, and it's often a cry for some parental attention. So instead of just criticizing, look for the good stuff and appreciate it. Now is my take on how it affects me and my kids. So the author's words hit me hard when I came back to Taiwan. For the first three weeks, 
I was the scolding machine, especially during bedtime. My kiddos just wouldn't cooperate with baths and brushing teeth, and man, I'll lose it. And guess what? My son started mimicking me, copying my not so pleasant behavior with his little sister. Talk about a reality check. But you know what they say? When there's a will, there's a way. I turned to this amazing book, joined a satire program, and even tried some parenting counseling. And it was a game changer. I realized I needed to treat my kids with respect, just like I would with my coworkers, and really listen to what they had to say attentively. And when they helped out, boy, did I let them know how much I appreciated it. When I started listening to my kids attentively, the results were mind blowing. My son. Who used to be all reserved and quiet, started sharing about his school adventures and hanging out with his friends. My three-year-old daughter became my little helper, though most of the time she actually declined to help me. I mean, she's certainly not a pleaser. And whenever I thank her sincerely, you would see her face lit up with joy, and she would actually jumping. Up and down, and say, "I am a helper. I am a helper." Now, I wish the author gave us more example of real life situations, but hey, this book's like a window to a whole new parenting perspective, isn't it? I think this parenting approach works, but it needs us to be there for our kids, like really there. You know, if we're too busy, they might just shut us out. And that's not what we want. We need to be attentive to what our kids are going through, regardless of whether they ask for our help or not. Oh, and I gotta be honest, there's this little mom struggle inside me still. Letting go completely of not dragging my kids to do their homework is hard. I'm not sure whether it sits well with my tiger mom's nature. I want my kids to be brave and outstanding, but can they really bathe it all, or am I just being a bit too greedy here? Well, so there you have it, my podcast peeps. Parenting wisdom right here, right now. Let's give our little ones the love and attention they deserve. Thank them sincerely for their helps instead of praising them or scolding them. Because it's the key to raising some incredible human beings. Stay tuned for more amazing content in the next episode. Catch up later. Bye bye.